Matthew chapter 6, we'll start with verse 28. Jesus is talking and he asked the question, And why take ye thought for raiment? Your clothes. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek carnal people. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. He knows all the things you have need of. He knows everything that you have need of. Your needs are not obscure to God. He knows everything that you have need of. Before you ever walked down to this altar and asked God to heal your body, he knew everything that you had need of. When you woke up this morning, you couldn't even describe what you needed in your life. He knew everything that you needed. Here's the last verse. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things which is related to the prior verse that ye have need of shall be added unto you amen and I preach tonight for a little while the call for first amen thank you Jesus for your word and for the anointing of the Holy Spirit ah do what only you can do and do it through me right now for the benefit of your people for the glory of your name and the people will give you great praise because the everlasting word is sown in our hearts and we do it right now and we give you thanks Lord And forgive us of our worry and our strife and our clamoring, Lord. You are a great God and you know what I need right now. Ah. Jesus, in Jesus' name, thank you. Please be seated and when you're there, clap your hands to the Lord as a mighty praise. And out of your mouth, give God glory. Come on, shout to God. Hallelujah, Savior. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. If for a moment, consider a particular biblical scene. The Lord seems to be among the people at every given juncture. His position of life was among the people. 
while he may not journey very far from his own city, he's always with someone. In this particular reference, the Lord has blessed children. Many of them have come to him. The disciples are not welcoming of those children. They would prefer to push them away. But the Lord's reply to them is a declaration that the children make up the kingdom of heaven. His words are not lost on the crowd. They know what he's talking about. The Jews, the Gentiles, even the mystics, all believed in an eternity. The thought of heaven hangs in the air like a thick cloud around them. They cannot shake it. In the next moment, almost a breath away, a young ruler will approach Jesus. The synoptic gospels all give credence to this scene. The young, obviously wealthy young man, of some importance, I suppose, he will pose a question that should resonate even now in this place with you. He asks, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The young Jewish ruler is standing on the premise of the law of Moses. He has tradition, even if relationship has eluded him. Perhaps that was he was, that's what he was looking for all along, but didn't know it. The commandments in his life are firmly in place, I would submit, by tradition of his father and mother. That is his lifestyle. But heaven, eternal life, is the subject, and Jesus tells him that something has to come first. He wants to follow the Lord. He has a desire to do the right thing, but like all things, a desire is empty without execution of it. Something stands in the way of the rich young ruler. The command of the Lord is for him to empty himself. Empty himself of all that defines him. Because what he has, has defined his life. Jesus knows that no one can carry a cross and can carry a self-image at the same time. They just don't fit in your hands. The words of Jesus are narrowing. They are confining. And in this moment, they are customized to fit the core conflict of the young man who stands before him. I rise tonight before all of you to preach the word of God. There's a demand of the first. It's a call like nothing else. There's a cost of the first. God made it that way. It's always constricting. It presses upon us in a unique way because the first stands in opposition to our natural desires and our natural inclinations. The first challenges our flesh. It imposes something on us that digs deep like a relentless imposition, always knocking, always there, always lingering at the edge of our religious pleasantries. The first. It's often avoided because it invades our thinking about God and what he might really require of us individually. But look into the scripture and you'll find the first is everywhere. I can see it in the eyes of a widow woman 
who is preparing to die. First Kings 17 leaps from the pages of the Bible for so many reasons, not the least of which is the request of the prophet. Elijah is going to ask her something. He will make a request that will require a depth in faith rarely seen among people today. Faith, faith, faith preachers, faith teaching, faith preaching. It sounds so good when it rolls off the tongue of the orator. But put it to the task and, and act by faith. It's an arduous task. Truly walking by faith is not for the weakened spirit. Acting by faith and living by faith is not for a wimp. It takes courage and belief and devotion. It is and shall always be a measure of the first. Mm -hmm. There's a widow woman in the book of Kings who would like to preach to us tonight about the faith that it takes to embrace the first. Her husband has died. We don't know how or why. Her son is all she has left. Together, they have scratched out a meager living, but now there's a famine it's a famine, not of their own making, but they're living in it. They are starving literally to death and there's no way out. Just so you know, this Bible is not a book of fairy tales and hyperboles. It is the historical account of real people in real time dealing with life and death issues. There's a woman who is empty without hope and without help. Whatever food she might have had has long since disappeared. It's gone. She's going to die, medically speaking, and the numbers are all over the board. The human body can survive somewhere between 8 and 21 days without food and water. But that depends on the body mass or the body mass index of the person. As days go by without food and without calorie intake, the body consumes its own energy. Muscle mass is then eaten up and literally it will feed on itself until the human skeleton is all that is left. Starvation is one of the worst ways to die. Besides delusions because of chemical loss and besides the loss of eyesight, the will to live leaves the mind in a constant state of extreme fear. In babies, they might call it the failure to thrive. But according to medical research, there is a common geographical failure to thrive also. The brain simply says no, and there is very little medication or food that can stop the chemical breakdown once it has begun. So when I read the words of this widow woman, I'm reading about her resolve to die. We have no food. I have one last small bit of food. It's a little flour. I mixed it with a little oil, and afterwards we will lay down and we will die. Let me say it again. The widow woman said to Elijah, I have one last cake. My son and I are going to eat it and then we're going to die. I'm gathering two sticks that I may go and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. She's going to die. She has resolved. It won't last. It won't take the hunger pangs away. It will only suffice for a small moment. And to that, the prophet can you imagine? Elijah says this. Fear not. And go and do as thou hast said. 1 Kings seventeen thirteen. But make me thereof a little cake first. And bring it unto me. And after make for me and for thy son. Let me read it again. 1 Kings seventeen thirteen. I'd like to have it up. 
And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, but go, do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first. I need to tell someone tonight, the first always gives light to what you really value. And you've never experienced faith until you are pressed by the first. What you do first has a significance all its own. The miracle of flour and oil hinged on the call of the first. And it tells me about my need and maybe the reason why some folks always struggle. Because they never have followed the first. You know, Jesus is emphatic on this point, And I read from Matthew chapter 5. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there remember that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave your gift at the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. I know that the offering's important. The gift is important. Jesus did not say for us to neglect giving the gift or the sacrifice. In fact, there was nothing wrong with the gift. But the gift and its value was determined by what was done first. It's a level of importance, and I feel it again. That grinding word that disturbed the free flow of an uninhibited conscience. Knocking, dripping, always at the edges, always compelling me. The imposition of the first. It's Jesus. He calls for the first all the time. He presses us into his image by the way of his cross. He even told parables to confront our vain and temporal ambitions. I hope you can hear me tonight. He made all of life's achievements menial, even trivial, to his divine will. You can read it in the Bible. He said, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said unto him, A certain man made a great supper, bade many, sent his servants at supper time to say to them that were bid, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of property, and I have to go see it. I pray the excuse. Excuse me. Another said, I bought five yokes of Akka and I got I to gotta make sure they're good. I want to be excused. And another said, I've married a wife and I can't come. And then turn the page back a few, a few places and you'll read in that same book in Luke 9. They were walking along the road. A man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And the Lord said, well, foxes have their holes and birds have air. Then uh, they have nests. But, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And he said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, well, Lord, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury the dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And still another said, I'll follow you, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit service for the kingdom of God. Some things come first. Our first is always in rebuttal to his first. Ours seek what is common and convenient and even conventional. But his first is always about the kingdom. Our first is not what we think. Because what we put first often consumes us. So that there's nothing left. Anything but the kingdom will consume you. And in time you'll have nothing left for the kingdom. Should you first forgive? Why would I forgive? Because your offering of worship is no good with God until your spirit is right with your brother. 
I wonder how many gifts have been given to God but rejected. Not because the gift was wrong, but because that little thing inside of your heart, you tried to push it away. When God said, go make something right. Why would I sacrifice? Why, why sacrifice first? Because, you see, the best way out of your famine is to give what you have the least of. That's a hard saying. That's a hard statement. That's a hard thing. Especially when you feel depressed and you feel low and you feel down and you have right to be that way. And you don't feel like anybody loves you. It's hard to lift up your voice and to shout like you have joy and to rejoice. But I will just say in your worship, if you could get up, if you could shout when you are down, if you can praise God when you don't see any blessing, I'm going to tell you the best way out of your famine is to give what you have the least of why would you sell all why because your hands cannot hold your cross and your possessions at the same time what is tithing anyway tithing is not just 10% it's not just 10% in fact if truth be known tithing did not start with 10% tithing started with your first fruit I'll tell you, if you wait until the end of all the bills, if you wait until the end of everything, you'll never have enough to give God. You know why? Because didn't, he didn't want what was left over. He didn't even want you to give him what was left over, even if it's the right amount. He wanted you to give the first fruit because God has a call for the first. These aren't just priorities. I'm not talking about priorities. These are things that are telling of our entire life. What you do first speaks of your motives. Makes declarations of your heart and your mind. In fact, whether we admit it or not, our first, ladies and gentlemen, is often our best. Build your houses. Build your career. There's nothing wrong with that. Get an advancement. Read. Get a better education. I'm happy about it. I support it. I want you to do it. But first, serve in the kingdom. Don't ever neglect the kingdom for the sake of your personal ambitions. And the moment you say, I'm going to get back involved in church, but first I got, a, I got a lot of things I got to do for myself. I'm going to tell you, you'll never run out of things to do for yourself and you'll never get back to the kingdom. Do those things that attend a wholesome lifestyle. I'm for it. But first, give God the best of your life and the best of your time. This is my Bible reading. I was trying to get through the couple books and I, and I was trying to get through the book of Exodus and finally I ended chapter 39 and then I started on chapter 40. I'm just doing good. I'm, I'm not flying through it, but I'm making a lot of progress and headroom until I just got to two verses, the first two verses of Exodus 40, and I couldn't even go any further. The Lord spake unto Moses, and he said this, on the first day of the first month, thou shalt set up the tabernacle of the tent of the congregation. 
before you do anything on the first day of the first month the first day of the first of the year of everything you set up the tabernacle of the congregation houses come next your land can come later there's another day for another thing but on the first day of the first month you set up a place where you can worship and you can sacrifice everything else has to wait everything has to be put aside everything has to take take second fiddle to what the tabernacle means general necessities have to wait personal goals have to bow down to the first I got to set up the tabernacle and I've got to praise God everything in my life I got to praise God you're about to wrap up this year and on January the 1st I want you to I want you to do something on January the 1st I want you to wake up whenever that day comes for you and you wake up and say this is the year that the Lord hath made this is the day and the month I'm going to set up a tabernacle in my life I'm not going to let anything get in between me and the tabernacle of praise and the tabernacle of sacrifice I'll tell you what's conflicting. What's conflicting us is that the kingdom is elusive. The kingdom is a foreign subject to us. Let it not be at New Life Fellowship, but let the kingdom be all that we talk about. Let the kingdom consume us, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Let me just help you with Matthew chapter 6 verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Addition of things are good, ladies and gentlemen, but only when the kingdom is in order. All of these things are healthy, they're allowable, maybe permissible. If the kingdom and his righteousness are the first things on our mind, if our seeking is in its proper place, the things that we need will be added to us. The things that are added to us won't ever take away from the kingdom. But when you try to add God later, the things you add will destroy the kingdom of God in your life. If on the first day of the first month you haven't followed the command, which simply means if you're not seeking him first, then even those things that look good, maybe benign, pleasant, acceptable, they'll strip you of all the things that God wants you to do. I hear the spirit calling in this house to follow the first, the kingdom of the first. But I also know that as I talk about the kingdom of God, it's very difficult for my, my brain, my mind to, to wrap around that massive thing, the kingdom, the consuming kingdom of God. Elisha, Elijah rather is going to teach a harsh lesson to his young apprentice, Elisha. Elisha is also a wealthy young man when the older Elijah finds him. Elijah has many oxen. He has his own fields. He has tools of the trade, money to his disposal. But Elijah walks by and he will symbolically call this younger man into the realm of anointing by putting his mantle across his shoulders. The young man, Elisha, should have known the gravity of the moment, but he's hung up by the first. The call of the first is gripping And he has to make a choice. So Elisha, the younger, says to Elijah, the older, I pray thee, I got to go kiss my mom and dad. Then I'm going to come after you. Let me go do a few family things. I need to have a going away party. 
I need to have a little time of reflection with my parents and everybody. And the older prophet, Elijah, said, Go back again for what I have done to thee. And so on that word, the younger knew, I can't go back and have a party. In fact, I got to destroy everything that identifies me with who I used to be before the mantle fell on my shoulders. So he took the same yoke of oxen and he killed them and he cooked them and he took all the wood, all the yokes, all the things that he had used and he made a fire with them and he burned all that meat and he cooked it. It was a big barbecue and he gave it to all the people. They ate it. Then he arose and he went after Elijah and he served the older prophet. He served him. He washed his hands. He followed him. He took up his garments wherever he, wherever he was going. I'll tell you why because he started to understand the power and the call of the first the first says you got to get rid of everything in your life if you're going to follow the Lord the first says you need to lose the identification of who you were the first the first for me to follow God and give up the things I thought were great They weren't that great, but at the time, I thought it was a sacrifice. Now, looking back, I realize how how simple they were, how minimal they were. But the first makes demands of me. The first says, before anything else, there's the kingdom. And we come in here struggling with all these things that we need And our Heavenly Father knows everything that you need. Everything you need. He already knows it. But we are after all the things we need. I tell you right now, take no thought for the things you need. This is not my word. You got to get back to the scripture. Take no thought. You're worried about clothes and about food and about a job and about how you're going to get through it. I'm going to tell you what. Take no thought for the things you need. He already knows all the things you need. I'll tell you what we ought to be thinking about. His kingdom and his righteousness. His kingdom and his righteousness. I wonder if you got a need in this house. Raise your hand if you have a need. Come on, be honest. I got a need. I want to tell you right now. I want you to put that need, I want you to put it behind you. And I want to take your other hand and say, I'm seeking for the kingdom. I know you got some problems. I know you got some situations. But if you'll just seek the kingdom of God, that's what Jesus said. Don't take any thought for those things. I feel like preaching a little bit about what's eating you up. I want to know what's consuming your life and your mind. What's consuming you are the things that you're struggling with. But there's a word from Jesus, the Lord God Almighty, who has given you a word tonight. Seek him and his kingdom and everything else. He can add those things if you'll put him first. I'll tell you what you're doing if you're struggling with your job and you know you need to get out or you need a new one. Start seeking the kingdom of God. If you're in low times, I'll tell you what you do. You take the last of what you have and you prepare it and you give it to God. And he can take what you don't have. He can supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory. Are you lonely and you need a friend? I'll tell you what, seek the kingdom of God. I'll tell you, there's a lot of friends in the kingdom. But if you're trying to find a friend and you're not trying to find God, you might find a friend, but you'll lose the kingdom. Yeah. 
all these things. All these things. I need all these things. I got a lot of needs, Pastor. I know you got a lot of needs, but what about his righteousness? What about his, what about the things of God? I know you got struggle, but what about the things of God? I know you want to give your gift, but you got a couple things that he's requiring of you first. Because he's into the first. He's not in the last. There's no position that he'll, uh, that he'll occupy but the first. I'm struggling. I'm not struggling preaching this. I'm not struggling delivering the word tonight. No, I'm not struggling with that. I'm struggling being occupied in my mind with things I wish I could accomplish, things I'd like to get over, things I'd like to get through. Do I have a witness in this house? I'm standing here just to tell you there's a whole bunch of stuff I'd like to get on the other side. I can see the other side, but every step I take seems to be a miry clay. My feet almost won't come up, and I take one step, and it seems like I sink a little, and I got to back up a little bit to get this shoe up and this leg up, and I'm, I'm trying to get through it. I'm trying to get through the things, but if I'll divert my attention, and if I'll start thinking about the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the things I'm trying to get through, they're going to they're gonna break the are going to work their way out they're going to work for me because God is going to bring he's going to add everything to my life I don't know why this is and maybe it's just me but I've been through so many things and I've seen the glory and the blessing of God you would think by now I could trust God with all of my heart he brought me through all kinds of mess he's delivered me from all kinds of things I think by now we ought to know but from time to time we forget what God has done like the children crossing the Red Sea God brought them through an impossible barrier but then they got to Mara and they started to complain as if God could not make water sweet if he can open up the water he can change the value and the constitution of it yeah come on has anyone ever been healed have you ever been delivered have you ever found something out of nothing has God ever come through for anybody I want to know in this house has God ever left you empty has he ever forsaken you has he ever left you without a witness I want to know why you're taking thought about that stuff seek his kingdom why you're worried about these temporal things Ah, he's going to bring you through he's going to bring you out he's going to bring you over but stop looking at the problem and start seeking the kingdom I'll tell you what kingdom minded people kingdom minded people don't care who's in charge and who gets the notoriety kingdom minded people don't care who's getting the glory or the applause kingdom minded people are just happy to be a part kingdom minded people are thinking always about how it's going to better the image of Jesus Christ and how can I win more people to the to the Lord how can I be a greater witness or can I bring can I pick somebody up can, can I bring him to, to Jesus Christ the kingdom minded people are, are different from worldly minded people Kingdom-minded people, watch it, are different from church-minded people and position-minded people. 
A kingdom-minded people don't care who has the solo in the choir. Kingdom-minded people don't care which chair they're sitting on. First chair, second chair, third fiddle. I'm always third fiddle, always third fiddle, always third. Listen, just be thankful that you're in the, in the orchestra. If you're the third or fourth fiddle, thank God you got a fiddle. I don't even know what that means. Why? I'll tell you why. Because flesh. Because we're always thinking about ourselves. Because we're always thinking, how is this going to affect me? I will tell you, I want to live my life. How is it going to affect the kingdom? i got to make sure the kingdom is spotless. i got to make sure the kingdom doesn't have an image stain on it because of what I'm doing. So people who are not kingdom-minded, they think about what makes them happy. What satisfies them. What feeds them. And then I'll tell you the next thing they do. Then they run after all these things. Because they're worried about the addition. They're worried about if they're going to get all these things added to them. And they're confused. I'll tell you why they're confused. They think that all things are going to work together for them that love God. They think all things are going to work together. But they forgot. To them that love God and are caught According and are called according to his purpose. Let me just do it again. And we know that all things work together for good. Don't stop there. To them, love God. You can't love God and love yourself. You can't love God and love the world. You can't serve two masters. You can't love God and love your money. You can't love God and love your image. You either love the image of Jesus Christ or you love your own image. You are the love, the image of a crucified Jesus that died and suffered and rose again. Are you loving what you, what you appear to be a religious, a, a religious symbol? I would just say to you, we got to love God with all of our hearts and called according to, uh, it bothers me. It bothers me because his purpose is not always my purpose because sometimes He's allowing me to go through things because he wants me to be a witness to this world. I didn't want to go through all that stuff. But if I can just keep my mind on the kingdom, I'm called according to his purpose. You ought to just say it right now. I love God with all of my heart, mind, body, soul, and strength, and I'm called according to his purpose. And everything's going to work out for my good. Don't think it's going to work out for your good until you love God and you're called according to his purpose. I know it can happen, but if you'll get your mind on the kingdom and get your mouth on the kingdom and talk about the Lord and his righteousness. Yeah. Stop clamoring. I'm preaching to myself. Stop clamoring, everybody. Stop worrying. Take the worry out. If you're in the kingdom, you have no ought to worry. I'll ask the question. Is God a man that he should lie? Is he the son of man that he should turn his back on his own promises? All the promises of God are yes and amen. I wonder how many kingdom people are in here. We're going to get kingdom minded. On the first day of the first month, we're going to set up a tabernacle. It's going to be a tabernacle of praise. On the first day of the first month, we're going to do something. We're going to set up a prayer. We're going to start this year with prayer and with fasting because we're kingdom-minded people. We're going to clean out the old and bring in the new. We're going to get rid of some desires of adding some stuff to our own lives. And we're going to get focused on the Lord.
like your home to be better? Put the kingdom in your home. You want home life to be better? Talk about the kingdom. What's better for the kingdom? Be a kingdom-minded person. And if you don't know the full extent of that, get on your knees and ask God, show me what the kingdom is about. I'll tell you what the king. There's so many references to it. I couldn't preach all of it. Let me just give you one. The kingdom is like a man who went into a field and found a pearl of great price. He wants the pearl. He does not want the field. He takes the mess to get the treasure. <laughs> he sells everything to buy the field because he knows in that field, in that field is something worth more than all that I have. It's selling out everything to buy the field because you know in the field is a pearl of great price. Now I can liken this to anything, but let me just narrow it for us right now. This city is the field. It's the harvest field. You got to buy the whole field. You're going to go through mess and disappointments, but I'm going to tell you there's pearls of great price in the field. The Jews say it like this. When you save one, you save a nation. I just want to talk about the kingdom. Let's talk about the kingdom. How about let's put away some worry. Let's put away some disappointments. Let's know that the Lord already knows. He already knows what I need. My heavenly father knows all the things that I need. He did not ask me to pray for all the things. In fact, it appears he doesn't want me even to seek for the things that I need. Uh-oh. He wants me to seek him, his righteousness, and leave the things that I need in his hands. Oh, I'm talking to you right now. Come on, just leave the things that you need in the hands of the master. He's going to take care of it. Hear the word of God. I'm going to take care of it, the Lord says. I'm going to take care of it. But you seek me and my righteousness and my kingdom. I'll add all the things. I know what you need. Don't seek them. I'm going to add it on to your life. <laughs> oh, I can already tell this is kind of hard for people. It's already hard because you've been thinking about all the things you need. You're thinking about all the things that you're, that you're depleted of and you're empty of. I want you to know God's going to give you those things. But you ought not even focus on those things. Focus on the kingdom and his righteousness. Ha! <laughs> I'm almost done. Just give me a second. Hold on. Uh, uh, Mother Williams and Columbus, Ohio. Yes, Sister Carrie Williams. And uh, I don't know how old she was, Tammy. We knew her in her 70s, maybe, her late 70s. And um, she's now been on, went on with the Lord. And Sister Williams was so sweet. Uh, she, she had to raise her children by herself. It was a struggle for her. But she never missed church. 
and she didn't have a car, and uh, I don't even think she had a driver's license. Uh, but she had a job cleaning houses, and she cleaned one particular house, and she she would clean the house, and that was her money. She gave to the building fund, to the missionaries, and her tithes, offerings, all of that. She did all kinds of stuff, and she was so thankful to come to church, and uh, and the bus route changed, so for her to get to downtown Greenwood, the church, she had to not just take one bus like she normally took. She had to take two buses and she had to wait for the second one. So she had to go away from the church and then, and then have another bus to get to the church. It took her almost two hours one way. But she never missed church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. She was always there. She just had to, she had to start out earlier and she got home a lot later. But she never went to church. In 30 years, she worked for a family for 30 years. But it was not about, it was not about the things that she would get. It was about the Lord. Prayer meetings, Bible studies, intercessory prayer, work in the altars, whatever she could do. She taught Sunday school. It was always about people and the kingdom. It was not about herself. And the day came after 30 years and her boss found out that she was, she had to take two buses to work. But her boss and, and the wife, they, they were, they were very wealthy people. So they surprised her one day and they said, we don't want you to take two buses to your church so they bought her a brand new car gave her a gas card paid for her in her car insurance and said here you go we're gonna give don't you know your father i want to know i want you to know your father knows everything you have need of and you're seeking a car you're seeking cars you're seeking houses you're seeking gas cards your daddy knows what you need and if you'll seek your daddy you're gonna get everything your daddy has I hope you can hear me tonight. Stop seeking the things that are temporal and think, seek the thing that is eternal. If memory serves me right, she had to go get a driver's license. She didn't even have a driver's license. You think God can do that for you? Stop thinking about it. You want God to do things for you? Get invested in the kingdom and you'll be surprised what can open up to you. Be invested in the work of God and you won't even have, you won't even think about the same things. I say this, when you get kingdom minded, You'll stop seeking for the same things you were seeking for before you got kingdom minded. Your desires will change. And then he'll be able to add things to your life that's healthy for you and good for you because you started seeking for the kingdom and its righteousness. My heart changes when I'm seeking the kingdom. My mind changes when I start seeking the kingdom. When I get up every day and I'm talking about the kingdom things and I'm talking about the Lord and the goodness of the Lord and I'm seeking everything that's in the scripture and how to, how to reach my neighbors and, my, and the lost people of our city and I'm thinking about the field. I'll tell you what, God will add something to me. But he won't add something that will hurt me. Some of the things that we want right now will destroy us. Because you're seeking for the wrong thing. <laughs> I'm through. Please stand. I'm really not through, but I think you're through. I think you're ready. I think you're ready. I'm ready. To seek him. To seek his face. His righteousness. I'm ready to put all these things 
in his hands. I want to release them right now out of my hands. Just open up your hands. Wait a second. Close your fist again. Think about all the stuff you're holding on to. You're bothered about. You can't do anything about them. It's not in your power. You've tried. You're grinding. You've been praying for things. But in your prayer, you stop praying for the kingdom and you stop seeking the kingdom. Now, I want you to release those things to the Lord. And I want you to stand on his word and say, Father, you know everything that I need. And you said if I would seek your kingdom and your righteousness, all those things that I could not attain by myself, now I'm going to block those things as much as I can, as hard as I can from my mind. And now, Lord, I release those to you. Now I'm going to lift my hand and surrender to your kingdom and to your righteousness. Oh, oh, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost in this house. The Lord came to speak to someone here tonight. He's come to deliver the perfect word to your life. I want the kingdom seekers that are serious about seeking the kingdom. I'm not trying to provoke you just to leap out of your seat. But I'm trying to get somebody just to acknowledge. I've been thinking the wrong thoughts. But I'm going to rearrange tonight. I'm making a commitment. I'm seeking his kingdom and his righteousness. You might even have to say, Help me, Lord. That's right. That's right. Release those things. You haven't yet released them. You're still holding on to them. It's hard to get rid of them. I know. I know. They're bothering my mind and my heart. They conflict my steps. It's a miry clay. I don't know how to get rid of it entirely except just to start seeking your kingdom. I want you, Lord. I want to be more like you, Lord. I want to seek your righteousness. I want to be, I want to be closer to your cross, Lord Jesus. I can't hold myself in this cross at the same time. Come on, some of you need to sell everything. Sell everything. Pick up your cross and follow the Lord. Some of you need to leave your gift at the altar and first go make it right with your brother. And then come back and give the gift. Some of you need to give the least of what you have. It's the only way you're going to get through your famine. Come on, kingdom seekers. I seek your kingdom and your will. I I seek your righteousness, Lord, and your face. You're not a God who fails. You're not an empty God. You're not a weak God. Forgive us, Lord, of seeking for things, Lord. We ought to be seeking for you. Forgive us, Lord, of trying to fix ourselves. I got to get in the kingdom. I got to get busy with the things of God. I got to set up a tabernacle.
read it again. Are you ready? Matthew chapter 6, verse number 28. We're going to read it again. Matthew chapter 6, verse 28. You ready? And why take ye thought for clothes? Consider the lilies that clothe the field and how they grow. They don't toil. They're not spinning. I say unto you, even Solomon, with all the splendor, the glory, the purple and gold, the red, the crimson colors, the jewels, he never looked better than the fields of flowers. And if God clothed the grass of the fields that way, which comes and goes, shall he not clothe you, O little faith? Take no thought, saying, what about us? What are we going to eat and drink? What about our livelihood? What about our jobs? How are we going to fix ourselves? That's what the heathens do. They're in the rat race. They're trying to get ahead all the time. That's all they talk about. Now let's talk about gain and want and desires, self-promotions. Here's what Jesus said. For your heavenly father, he knows all the things that ye have need of. He knows all these things. He's not oblivious to your life. So the next verse will tell us, because he knows all these things, don't worry about those things. Seek ye first the kingdom of God his righteousness all the things you've been worried about they'll be added to you in time as you can handle them so they don't interrupt your searching for the kingdom and his righteousness Come on, kingdom people right now. Kingdom, kingdom people. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In earth as it is in heaven, thy kingdom come in my life, thy will be done in my life. Thy kingdom come in my days, in my nights, thy kingdom. I'm seeking for you, Lord. Because the kingdom is not temple, it's not eat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> That's what I'm looking for, Lord. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for your word tonight. We'll just sing our prayer.
as we leave. We're recognizing him in all that we do. Say it, help me. Say holy. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Thank you. Open up my eyes and show me, Lord. Everybody say it again. Say holy. Holy. There is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in one. Show me. Who you are and fill me with your heart. Oh, yes. Come on, one more time. Say Father, I thank you for your word. The unmatched, inspired word. I thank you for your word tonight. And we shall know the truth. And the truth shall make us free. Uh, I pray for a kingdom church to rise up in this house. Everything we do is about the kingdom. Amen. Jesus, I thank you. Amen. Amen. This week there's Bible study on Wednesday night. Scott will be teaching Bible study next Sunday morning is our Sunday morning service and the Lord's going to help us and Sunday night will be our Christmas program and it's a time for us to bring all of our friends and family maybe people who never go to church or um, they they would just like to see a good Christmas program I hope that you'll fill up your rows with people Pray that you'll guard yourself this week from temporal things and you'll seek for the kingdom of God. Amen. When I tell you that I love you, I, I, I don't, I hope it's not trite. I know Tammy and I, um, we 
We care about our church and we care about all of you because we consider you our family and we love our family. And I hope that the love of the Lord is in this house and we care about one another. Um, We have a couple of families that are in need of some financial help and I don't want to take up an offering here, but if you are so inclined to, to give, then if you'll just stop by the office and you can give a little love offering for some folks. We're not talking about Christmas presents. We're not buying people Christmas presents. We are buying coats and some other things. Uh, in the foyer, I think all those have been uh, handed out. So uh, I love you. I, I pray the Lord's blessing on you. I want you to have a profitable week in the Lord. Amen.